the kindergarten teachers are the first structured school that they probably will be in. You want to lead them in the right direction. And if you don't in the beginning, they're not going to be successful the rest of the year. Hi, and welcome to season three, episode seven of the Exploring the Core podcast. Today, I'm sharing a conversation with award-winning kindergarten teacher, Doris Heinrich, about her perspective toward building autonomy and independence in elementary age students. Thanks for listening. Doris Heinrich, it's been a while since we last spoke. I think it was back in 2016. I reached out to you about literacy in kindergarten. Yeah, I did one of the, uh, I did a phone call interview with you, I believe, when you first started the core. Yes, the, the Common Core Project, which was super helpful, by the way. Yeah. Um, so, so and that... they all changed it again this year in my district, so. <laughs> and and so it's it's just really great to be talking with you now uh, because I do have a lot of questions for you about what you've been up to in kindergarten uh, the last couple of years. But there's something really cool I'd like to start off with, and that's that you're the recipient of a district-wide award. Would you mind getting us started by speaking to that just a little bit? Um, in 2020, I was nominated for Teacher of the Year in my district for my site. Um, it was during COVID. So that was when we all came back to site <laughs> and we were still doing distant learning and on campus. So we were like hybrid. Um, but I was very honored and I was very shocked because um, that was my four, my 13th year teaching. And um, it was something that I always wanted to win, I guess, um, you know, because yeah, I doesn't? see a lot of my co-teachers win it. And yeah. I would nominate some of my teachers, my awesome teachers that I work with. The fact that somebody nominated me not once, but I think I had like five nominations and um, I even had some parents that wrote in to this principal. So that was very overwhelming and exciting at the same time. I'm like, I I love adding that into my intro every year um, for my welcome back parents to let them know, you know, your your child is in a classroom where a teacher was an award winning (laughs) teacher of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and that really does mean a lot. And so now that leads me into my first question about the kinds of academic standards and learning targets that you set for the littles in your classroom. Of all of the standards and academic expectations at that kindergarten level, what would you say is your primary focus for kindergarten? Um, Letter recognition is a big one. We try to target at least 50 sight words and um, sentence structure by the end of the school year. However, because of COVID, a lot of our kids are having a harder time meeting those standards. And unfortunately, we just push them along. They don't get retained back unless it's severe. And a lot of the parents are not so open with doing like a 504 plan or an IEP or anything like that, because they just don't want their child identified as a certain characteristic. So with that being said, it's a little bit harder to get the kids in to get the extra help that they might need in the short time that they're with me. Because they're honestly, for all of our instructional time, we're only really in the classroom like two and a half hours, because we have play time and snack time and, you know, break time and potty and all this stuff, you know, for kinders. And What I've learned over the past years, because I did do special ed for seven years for preschool in my district, and um, a lot of it is just repetition and a lot of hands-on. If they can mold a letter 
out of Play-Doh or write it with shaving cream, or they can use the wiki sticks or something like that. They tend to retain it a lot easier than if you have them sit there and write it 50 times. So like a lot of our stuff, I always introduce like our letter of the week with our sound and we make an animal. So like the letter F, we made a fish. The letter B, we do a bear. Like stuff that they can retain and you're like, oh, what sound does that make? And they're like, oh, it's a B. It's for buff, buff bear. And then they can retain the sound easier than if you just tell them, oh, B, it's like this. It sounds like this. This is what it looks like, you know, because they're five. A lot of them are coming into this. A lot of them are coming into my class barely five because of the new cutoff. And with this universal kindergarten, we had a lot of younger kids this year and um, which made it a little bit more challenging because I do have I do have TK as well on my campus. I just don't have it this year and I have had it in the past. Um, but you have to understand they're they're very young. And I think it's because they're so young that, uh, you know, I want to dig into this idea of particular interest to me, the idea of defining proficiency at the kindergarten level, because it sounds like, and, and it seems to me from my research with academic standards themselves, that kinder is focused mostly on basic recall and reproduction, or the depth of knowledge level one. So I'm curious how often students go beyond that level to show conceptual understanding and strategic reasoning and evidence. You know, how much of this do you see? I mean, what does proficiency look like at the kindergarten level? Um, it honestly has to depend on the kid. The student, the child, it's all, it just depends on them. I have students that have come into my class that already know how to read, can give me a full sentence, can read my level one books. Like I have kids that don't even know how to hold a pencil. It just depends. And a lot of it is their maturity, maturity you know, that's why I try to give them stuff that's more like hands on that keeps their holds their attention because they are so long, young. And I try to give them breaks in between. So they're not sitting there for 45 minutes doing one thing they can go and like, let's say they finish their activity, they can go walk around, they can go play on a different area, they can go get a book, they have different centers in my classrooms, we have a science center, and a writing center and a house area, like dramatic play, and they have a water table and we have different sensory things um, because they are so young and they have to keep their they have to keep their mind going or else they just get into trouble or they distract or they just shut off. They don't want nothing to do with anything. However, I do have kids that their proficiency can be from one to 10 in like a mere couple months because they're just there to learn and that's what they want to do. And then I have some that like just kind of hang out at five for like four months or five, six months, you know, then at the end of the school year, all of a sudden it was like, ding dong, it's all there. So it just depends. It really just depends on the kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting because it gets me thinking about grade level expectations and the ebb and flow of learning where, where each individual student develops proficiency of different skills and, and even a kind of self and social awareness about what school is and their role in the classroom as a learner amongst their peers. You know, I often find myself thinking about the way we assess all students on the same skills at the end of each year and report progress 
as if it's even possible to expect all students to develop specific competencies at the same rate, at the same time. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on academic grade level expectations having a start and finish line when students don't start and stop learning according to those age-based grade level expectations. I think they're ridiculous, honestly. <laughs> I do. Um, and I will be honest, in my classroom, I try my hardest to follow what is needed. Um, but in reality, it's whatever the kids are at that level, that's kind of where you go and you modify and you do what you have to to make sure they succeed. So um, within the first, like, we started in middle of August this year. We started a week early and we've been in school one month and a half now. And my kids are still, you know, they, they struggle from time to time, like with simple three step things. Um, but it's just the constant reminding that we're still doing. What did they struggle so, with? Um, doing like, one, like more than two step projects or anything that's more than two or three steps. Um, it's, they kind of like seem to forget. And I don't know if they're forgetting or they're just like, oh, I don't want to do it, you know. But um, I still call it like the honeymoon stage. We're still like learning each other and we're still figuring out what works for me and what works for them. And I feel that by December, before we get ready to go to winter break, my kids are kind of in the groove and they kind of got things going. And I've noticed in the last couple of years, it's been taking my kids until like, mid-February, maybe March, to be like, oh, hey, this is what I got to do. And that's really when I really start pushing them, hey, you're going to first grade now. You got it. You got to make sure you know these things. And um, I have to say that by June, I can feel confident enough to send most of my kids to first grade and they're, and they're good. Um, last year I did have a couple of students that struggled a little bit more, but theirs was more for family dynamics that kind of like threw them off and it wasn't really, wasn't their fault. It was just their home life wasn't adequate enough for them. So, um, I want to say like when the last couple of years, it's been more like February, March. Now, prior to COVID, most of my kids by January, they were, they were on it. They were like, oh yeah, I can do that. No problem. Yeah, that letter, I know that letter. Let's make a sentence. Like I was starting sentences like end of January, sentence structures and writing and um, formatting and stuff like that with my kids. Um, this, the last two years I've been doing a little bit later because they're just not ready for it. And I'm not going to push them to do a skill that I know they're not going to be successful in. So how do you feel about teachers in the higher grade levels insisting on scheduled learning scheduled lessons, scheduled assessments on a daily basis where mm -hmm. they're telling the students what to learn, when, how, and why day in and day out. They're going to have a lot of pushback. The students are going to push back on them. Because what do you mean? They're not, if you, it's just like an adult. If you go and you tell an adult, you have to do this, this, and this, they're going to do it because they know they have to, but are they really retaining anything from it? Are they really learning anything from that skill they're just gonna I can remember myself as a student you know oh you have to write a 50 page report okay I can tell you I probably don't remember anything I wrote in that report 
Why? Because you had to do it. It wasn't something of your interest. It's not something you want to do. It's just being required of you. And that I see that a lot with like the fourth and fifth grade at my school because they're trying to get them ready for middle school. And I get that, you know, but you have to make it somewhere where it's somewhat their choice or somewhat their interest to keep them on the same level that you want them to be on because they're going to either rebel and be like, screw this, I'm not going to do it. Or they're going to be like, I'm just going to do it because I have to and I don't want to get in trouble. Or you're going to be the ones that are like, I'm not going to do it at all. And yeah, you can't make me. And I think we both knew people like that when we were in middle school and on up through high school. And as someone who has taught third and fifth grade, I know that there are more than 40 standards in math. And the same goes for ELA. And I've worked with teachers who get quickly overwhelmed by the thought of making all of their students master all of these standards. And so I'm curious if you think if the fourth and fifth grade teachers were to say, here are the skills we need to learn this year and and then give their students the learning strategies and opportunities and coach them on how to practice learning, how to learn collaboratively with each other. Do you think that would help build the kind of independence and autonomy as learners that you're providing your students in kindergarten? Yeah, because it gives them a little bit more control over it. And I think, honestly, for like the fourth and fifth grade age levels, for them to have some kind of control over what they're doing or learning is a little bit more important for them. Because at that age, they're already trying to create themselves and become their own person. So if you're giving them a little bit more independence on how they can guide themselves or how they can manage their own time or how they can manage their own success. I don't think they would have so much pushback on, you know, I don't want to do this because you're just telling me to do it. I want to do it because it looks like I can succeed or I can do this or I can get it or I understand this. Um, Especially with uh, a lot of them preparing to go on to middle school, you know, it's the fifth graders are having a harder time getting ready to do that adjustment. And I've noticed in my school district alone, you know, they try to give them a little bit more freedom. Um, they have them go outside and do group group things. Um, they have them do a lot of more interactive stuff, which I think is really beneficial for them because they need that time away from their desk. They need that time to be out with their peers and to, I never worked well in groups, but some kids do really well in groups. So, I mean, I see some of the teachers there, they're really trying um, to try to catch them on a different level so that they do keep the skills that they are, you know, being taught and right. move forward to the next grade. Right. And and to be honest, uh, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I was excited to speak with you today is because I, I happen to personally believe, I happen to professionally believe mm-hmm. that kindergarten teachers, pre-K, kindergarten, and to some extent first grade, uh, mm-hmm. you are teaching in a self, with a self-directed mindset that's mm-hmm. developing in students the kinds of approaches to learning that mm-hmm. I feel gets weaned away, that gets broken down mm-hmm. by the time they get through first and second and third grade. Mm-hmm. That mindset has been, um, you know, 
it's been molded out of them. Mm-hmm. And I wish more kindergarten teachers would become the kinds of coaches for the upper grade levels and that administrators would be open to mm-hmm. the kinds of teaching and learning strategies happening in kindergarten and using them in those upper grade levels. Any, any last final thoughts on, on that idea? I totally agree with you for one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I really feel that um, if the teachers did take the extra time to just kind of be like, hey, this is the struggles I had with this class. These are the struggles I had with this one student. Or, you know, on the flip side, this student did really well. And this is what, you know, he excelled in and all this stuff. Um, I think if the, I think if some teachers just took the extra time, I know we are all busy and, you know, we all have crazy lives and um, I get it, you know, cause I'm one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do not ever steer away from taking an extra five minutes to talk to my co-teacher who is right next door to me, who, um, believe it or not, we have a lot of the same teaching strategies and she has first and second this year. And she has like probably 40% of my class I had last year. So, um, you know, she'll come and talk to me. She's like, Hey, I had this problem with this one you know, this one I seem is seeming to like struggle a little bit more with this, like, how can you help me? Um, you know, I don't mind taking the extra five, 10 minutes during my break or um, staying over during my split just to take those extra moments to help her because I know that that student is struggling for a reason. And, you know, giving her the extra things that maybe work for me that might work for her just for now, you know, just to help that kid get that extra you know, step ahead, um, or get them out of the little hole that they've, they've created, you know, in the slump that they're in. Um, I don't mind that. And I wish a lot of other teachers were on that same path. And some are, some aren't, and that's fine. Um, But I think it would be more beneficial for a lot of the students if we could do that. Now, for anyone who wants to understand more about how you teach, how you develop mm-hmm. the kind of autonomy and independence in students mm-hmm. and, and develop that mastery and, mm-hmm. and developmental mindset for really getting into developing mastery with your students, how might someone, how might someone best get in touch with you? Um, is, there, is there something that maybe, are there any professional development opportunities that you're hosting? Do you do coaching? Are you somebody who people go to? And, uh, and is that something you might be interested in the future? I don't do any podcasts. You're the only one I've ever done. As you're the only interview I've ever done. I've never really had anybody ask me on that whole nother level. Um, I've just kind of kept it with my campus and my staff. Um, But I am on the I am on my Toledo website. And I'm open to emails. Um, my email is dheinrich at rbusd.org. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Shoot, shoot me an email. I answer my emails at all hours of the time. Um, because you never know, there might be that one parent that needs like an emergency response at like midnight. And if I'm up and I see it, I'll respond to it. Um, I'm sure you prioritize accordingly to make sure you get enough good sleep. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in, in all aspects of my teaching, it's just, if you want a successful adult, you need to start in kindergarten because that's where they, that's the first step of learning. 
Doris, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. No problem. Anytime. I look forward to maybe another one. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.